Load Runner, you're a highly trained galactic commando deep in enemy territory. Your mission? To recover a fortune in gold stolen from the bungling people by their power-hungry leaders. <laughs> Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sam. I'm Jill. And I'm Sean. And today we're talking about Load Runner. Uh, guys, what do you know about Load Runner? Absolutely nothing. Uh, I know it is a game that is on the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America. Oh, wait, I played this game. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, but we recently. all played it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, I know as much as I played. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only knew nothing about this until <laughs> I played it recently, but... Well, I think it's funny that you bring that up, Joe, because this is actually, like, a popular game back in the day. Like, this this was on almost everything. Yeah. A lot of computers uh, play this game. It's big on the Apple II, actually. It's mostly known for its Apple II release, and uh, that was back in 1983, and uh, while not a big success on the NES, the the port is simple enough that they managed to convert it to like anything that would play it. So uh, I believe that. Yeah, like I, I mean, fairly simple, right? Yeah. It's it's not like a, oh, how are we gonna write the code <laughs> for this one? Uh, but it actually was one of the first Famicom third party games. This game came out in 1984 on the Famicom, so that's before the NES yeah. even comes to America. I feel like that's a waste. Like, it's a waste of, like, a superlative, like, first third-party game, or if... if Unless it was just... One of the first, yeah. It's not the official first. Unless it was just, like, really popular, and people, like... It's all very questionable. People were really hyped that this was on... (laughs) (laughs) That this was on NES. They were like, oh, man, now I don't have to buy an Apple II. But I do wonder about, like, how it got big over in Japan, like, big enough to scoop up, like, a Famicom release, because it is a Western... I mean, it it was developed by Doug Smith. That's one guy, okay? (laughs) I don't know it personally, but I'm going to say his name like that just because... I feel like you got to include, like, allegedly. Well, we never never had that before, really. Like, you know, a, a game made by, like, one person... Is his, does he have like his name like on the title screen? Yeah, he has his name in a lot of places. Um, (laughs) Maybe not for the NES release because uh, Hudson Soft did the porting for that. He didn't actually like do the converting for each system. He's responsible for the computer releases. But uh, yeah, that was like, you know, indie games were a thing even back then. There was, even in Japan, there's a lot of, um, for the computers, a lot of people were doing that. Even uh, Iwata was doing that. I I just want to get Doug on the line. Like, I feel like he's accessible. It's kind of a shame that we don't have Doug as a special guest for this episode. I know, like, we could probably... Until now. (laughs) Hey, it's Doug. Look under your seats. Joe is about to be arrested for impersonating a game developer. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't say his last name, so you could have just been any Doug. call me Doug sometimes. Yeah, Doug from uh, the hit Nickelodeon or Disney show, depending on uh, which one you watched. So is this the part of the show where you tell us all about Doug and his life story and how he made the game? I don't really want to talk too much about Doug because I I couldn't find a whole lot out there on him, but I just thought it was worth noting that he developed the entire game. Uh, It is published in in the U.S. by Broderbund, uh, the guys who brought Mm. us Deadly Towers, and we hate that. Classic. (laughs) What? 
Was really? that where we landed on that? No, yeah. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, there was a lot to be said about uh, Deadly Towers that I don't want to talk about again here, but I don't feel like I'm holding it against Loadrunner knowing that it was developed by an entirely different guy. Yeah. A lot of times we see like familiar company names and we immediately think about what else they've delivered to us. In this case, I'm just thinking Broderbund is just a publisher. They had no hand in the actual like development of even the NES port, I feel but, like. But having played that game, uh, Deadly Towers, and just recently having played this game, uh, it's not... Because these are some of their first games that they've published. Yep. And it's just not a good look. Okay. Uh, for me. Like a, Spoiler alert. Their taste, I would say. Um, like, their best foot forward, maybe. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, no, that's fine. In fact, uh, since we're talking about the game now, why don't we do some first impressions? Uh, Sam, you want to start us off? Uh, it just kind of looks like a generic arcade game to me. You know, there's guys you got to avoid. There's things you got to climb, things you got to collect. I, I don't know. It wasn't really, nothing really jumped out at me. It wasn't, like, colorful. I think it's just a black background. Um, well, you're in space, right? Well, you <laughs> were in space, and now you're on the, the planet of, I'm not the sure. Bungles the, the, bu- the bungles or something. The bungles. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sean um, revealing that as if it's like commonly known yeah. knowledge that you're in space. Yeah, but I don't know. To most, yeah. I just feel like to most people, it's like you're in a cave. I, I yeah. mean, it looked I like will, it was in a cave until I read the manual. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that it, like going up ladders in some NES games has been difficult for some reason. Like, you know, the transition between walking... On the ground, it was and, very like, difficult climbing. even in Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah, but this I think they get ladders right. <laughs> yeah. So if there's anything, there's one I, point. Yeah, one point for... <laughs> they get uh, ladders right in this game. If you're a big fan of ladders, you'll love ladders. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. This is a this is a perfect ladder simulator. Well, you yeah. think about how poorly elevator action handled yeah. stairs. Well, hold on. Right. Are well, we... I mean, think about what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> they, made them, they made them hard on purpose. Because, <laughs> right, they wanted people to use the elevators, so they made the stairs Where hard. did we land on the ladder simulation in uh, Wrecking Crew? Like was that? I was a fan of oh, it. Was, oh, that you know what? Yeah, yeah, never mind. They have, yeah. they have pretty but good ladders, I too. I don't know if there was a time in Wrecking Crew that I ever had to, like catch a ladder in the air and i feel like you do that in this game yeah which yeah i don't know if you that, could have yeah, so it's a little bit more uh yeah. it's more detailed ladder yeah. uh simulation physics, physics. The ladder physics, physics. Is, is better in this game than i've seen in other arcade games like this okay like climbing across that little clothesline is easier in this game you see what happens when you soul search for your first impressions <laughs> yeah Sam? you went from i have no idea what i'm about to say to i have yeah. a lot of thoughts on ladders no i just it got me thinking yeah <laughs> great <laughs> Joe, what are your first impressions on uh, the game, not ladders? Um, <laughs> but you're allowed to talk about that. All right, all right. Uh, I'm going to kind of mirror what Sam said before the ladder stuff, which was, um, you know, I, I actually started out reading the manual, which I don't do a lot. I don't read the manual first a lot. But while I was reading it, I was kind of already a little, like, worn worn out on this idea because I was like, this feels like we've had so many of these arcade games. I'm just kind of overall, like, I was unfairly just saying, like, I'm already overall just, like, tired of this. It looks like something that I already know what it is. Um, so it just being that, like, generic arcade game kind of turned me off right away. And, and it did better once I was playing it than I thought it was going to. Like, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to, but middle of the road, at least at the beginning. Specifically for you, Joe, uh, when you say arcade game, right, is it is it the fact that it's going to be a very simple repetitive gameplay loop that bothers you is it the like high score featured mechanic that bothers you like what is it about the arcade well i also use the term arcade game very like loosely uh, yeah i'm not like there's actually nothing about it that like 
means that these are just arcade games. I yeah, guess I've I'm heard just, you call Final Fantasy an arcade game. <laughs> you have not heard that. <laughs> I not, have absolutely not, not heard my that. Name. Um, I would like to m- maybe step in and say that I could see this game with like the insert coin overlay under it. Right. So I think maybe that. Is yeah, what I guess you I, mean? I'm I'm thinking more of like a specific like. St- type of arcade game that you like like a donkey kong style thing which yeah. i'm not even a big fan of donkey kong where mm-hmm. it's just like this yeah it's like one screen granted this is like a little more than one screen but like but it didn't climbing need to ladders, be. you're grabbing i guess not but you know you're grabbing little power-ups and stuff but like, i don't know it's just it's just that sort of style i'm like drawing with my hands right now like like the listeners can hear can see me but um it's just like that sort of style of, yeah. of arcade game that i'm i'm just never been big on I think you explained it very well. Uh, Sean, first impression. Well, ladder physics notwithstanding, um, I will just jump on the uh, meh parade here of, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty simple game in every instance. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, at least like the, the controls are tight and the enemies behave correctly. <laughs> and... Um, I guess like there is some critical thinking involved, but as far as puzzle platformers go, this is a pretty like I'm nonplussed by it. And then uh, just for you, Sean, here, since you brought up the enemies and stuff like that, AI in NES games so far, uh, been, what's the verdict? I, I Some games have done well, at least with pathfinding and trying to, uh, like ambush you, I guess. Especially in a game like this, that's the yeah, whole thing, that is isn't it? The whole thing. Um, but that has been, like, it's been this. Uh, what's the word? It's been this in intentional, like since at least like Pac Man. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not that impressive. It's just like, yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the AI is like. Well, I don't want to get too. I'll get into it later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was first impressions, and I think that was great. Uh, real quick, my first impression of the game, I, I cheated a little bit by doing some research on this, and I was actually just very surprised to find out that it didn't all take place on one screen uh, and that it does like have a scrolling screen because all the other versions of this game, uh, especially the original computer versions, all took place on one screen oh. with the scale of the game significantly, like, zoomed back yeah. to the point where you're just a little stick figure and you can see every piece of gold, every ladder, every enemy all at one time. So that, I think that, that would makes be much me, better. That makes way more sense. Yeah. Because there were times where I just, I didn't know what to do because I didn't know where the enemies were. Right. And you have yeah. to kind of prepare for that because I think one thing that we're about to talk about is maybe the objective slash how to play of the game because the only way that you really have to work around the enemies is by uh, like removing the um gold the no, no um, the floor the floor oh removing yeah. the floor oh, removing yeah. okay. the floor well, around them we haven't so really talked about that yeah, we should talk it. about that yeah uh, so go ahead sean <laughs> so in load runner i don't really know what you are but you, you're a galactic commando you're a galactic commando that went with a out pretty good shovel equipped with a shovel <laughs> and apparently your only mode of defense is to dig a hole for your enemies to fall in um, but you're also trying to collect big mounds of gold while you do that. Now, these enemies that follow you around and try and and kick you off their planet cave, whatever it is, um, will sometimes pick up the gold, and you have to uh, bury them in order to get it back. It, it's typical, like you know, mid '80s Japanese arcade game, like 
logic. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a maze more than anything, yeah. right? Like you're kind of exploring each level in the sense of it being a a thing that you have to explore, figuring out the best way to get yeah. the gold without being touched. Exactly. You don't want to get touched. And you can choose to dig a hole on your left or dig a hole on your right. You may not dig a hole under you, and it's best not to run into one of your holes. Yeah, because well, I'd say it's a, it's crucial not to run yeah. into one of your holes. Yeah, why well, would you say that? In some cases, you want to though. In some cases, you you might need well, to drop down on something that's below your hole. Like that's true. <laughs> but you can't get out of your hole once you're in your hole. Well, no, but sometimes the hole, like if you're on like a if you're on a platform. Oh, that's true. That yeah, then you, you can, can drop, drop down. Right through. Okay, yeah. I guess yeah. I meant that more in the like you know you'll accidentally kill yourself way. But yeah, that's true. Yes. It yeah, is so the holes way do fill navigating. back in seconds yeah. after yeah. you dig them. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the game, you know, we haven't really described it in full yet, but it's it's just a bunch of like blocks, right? Like mm-hmm. you're just you're just walking on like the equivalent of like brick wall blocks that you, and they're not brick walls obviously because you're creating you know, they're dirt. But it's <laughs> it's not a very like visually enhanced game. It it's kind of just I don't I, I'm not saying abstract. You can tell what everything is, but it's so simple that it doesn't leave like, it leads it all to your imagination, and I'm not trying to imagine anything as crazy as the manuals leading me on to believe. Uh, but hey, this is, a, like, one of the first games, I guess, along with Wrecking Crew, which uh, could put on the back of the box, like, fully destructible environments. You know, like, that just, that got big in the mid-2000s. Yeah, not even Crackdown oh. 3 could uh, could complete the fully destructible environment thing that they were tooting for years. But is it fully destructible if everything you destruct comes right back well, immediately? Well, also, oh. the Baby ladders steps. are indestructible. All right. As they should be. <laughs> yeah, that's ladder physics. Yeah. Ladder physics explain that things aren't destructible. <laughs> uh, all right, to bring it back to the manual for a second, I feel like we owe everybody um, we owe everybody An the apology. plot. Yeah, we An owe everybody apology. the plot at least because, as Sean said, this game does take place in space. You are a galactic commando deep in enemy territory. Power hungry, and I, I'm going to emphasize hungry here, leaders of the repressive bungling empire have stolen a fortune in gold from the people. That's <laughs> Wait, have they, did they say repressive or oppressive? Uh, they said repressive. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting choice of words. Wait, you're not even sure where this is about to go, okay? They, they've they've um, taken a fortune in gold from the people, whether that's from this planet or another planet. People capitalized or? People is not okay. capitalized. I'm emphasizing the people more than they are. Uh, and they've taken all this this gold from the people by means of excessive fast food taxes. What? Yeah, they've they've taxed the fast food. Oh, and so like, they didn't even, is like, that really for it? is that really what? stealing? Yeah, it, it sounds this, like this game has like a political agenda, right? <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> do, they, do they take they took over the government? Yeah, well, or... the the bungling empire would be presumably the government itself, right? Taxation is theft. I, yeah, it's essentially so. what the game is arguing. <laughs> <laughs> so now your task is to infiltrate each of the 50 different treasure rooms. That's right, there's 50 levels in this game. Oh, jeez. Uh, and evade the deadly bungling guards and recover every stack of bungling booty. For taxes? It's just a terrible name. <laughs> yeah. Bungling? bungling booty. Also, wait, if you're taking the gold, right, which yeah. is the taxing of the people, are you then redistributing the wealth? I, or it, are you it keeping it for yourself? I feel like you're I don't remember a cutscene. You're scene. taking my tax dollars. 
Yeah. And keeping it for yourself. You're lining your own pockets. I don't want to play a game also, where somebody else goes to like the you know the Federal Reserve and steals <laughs> yeah. all the money and then it's like I was already taxed like, on they're that. They're taxing they fast food whatever. also. Like that's not that bad. You yeah, know, they, they could yeah. they could be doing it's a whole syntax. lot worse. But these people are trying to kill you over it. <laughs> Did you mean syntax isn't like no, computer I mean, like language a, a or sin it's a sin to tax? Like, it's a, no, it's a, a tax on a sin, like obesity. Oh, okay. Or yeah. like, you know, I guess uh uh, was was the word not gluttony? Gluttony, yeah, gluttony. Yeah. gluttony. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a nanny state maneuver. Wow, yeah, I love where this is going. This has been a, a fantastic episode. You're really so reading far. between the lines of the manual. There. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's time for us to talk about gameplay. We've been talking about it. Uh, we have been talking about it. I don't. I don't really actually know where I was about to. Like, <laughs> out anything of what we're talking about. The uh, a couple of interesting things for you guys when it comes to the NES version of this game, other than the fact that they removed like the best feature that it could all be handled on one screen, presumably a programming limit for the NES maybe like it was like oh but if you try to put it all it, on one I think screen it was more just probably like a resolution thing oh okay yeah, but, yeah I guess I guess that's what I meant yeah. but you're yeah you're making more sense out of it yeah okay there's a great video by um the 8-bit guy on YouTube oh, yeah. a very wholesome guy um no seriously wholesome <laughs> okay. uh, and he does a video explaining like NES graphics and just like how how they work and how you like design a sprite and how that sprite is read in the memory. So I'll I'll link that video. I think it's really cool and, and worth checking out. But the NES version of this game has the fifty levels, has the scrolling screens, and added music. There was no music in the other versions of this game before the NES version. Might that have been preferable? Um, you know, I think so, because uh, if anybody would like to sing the track right now, go for it, but I guarantee you do not remember it. I don't. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Okay, I was going to say, that'd be crazy if you just have, like, all of the NES tunes we've played so far stuck in your head. I'm sure some of the listeners do, because we play all the music in between yeah. this stuff, and I'm sure some of them wish we would just get on with yeah, the show. Probably, would, would you have already played this I would have at, at least point? played that. If yeah. it is just the one track that I'm thinking that it is, then I would have yeah. played it by so now. So listeners, you, you just go ahead another, and like, hum it out loud. Wait, you mean you this track? again right now? Yeah. Um, you want me to play a track from a different game? <laughs> no, no, the same track. <laughs> all right, I'll this play is Mock Rider. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, I'll play it right now. song and then also uh the graphics re- were redone in a more cartoon style and then the biggest addition in my opinion fruits and vegetables randomly appear which may be grabbed for additional points there were no fruits and vegetables how was the game even playable before uh the nes version see now the fruits and vegetables makes more sense right because of the fast food tax. <laughs> right. yes exactly so it's I'm like glad you understand you can just get these yeah, this is actually a post-Burger Time world <laughs> where, where uh, people, the, the chef from Burger Time was having so many nightmares about making those patties that he decided to tax all of the people so this way he wouldn't have to make any more burgers. I didn't know this uh, Emphasis on the people. <laughs> right. I know this whole time we were in the bungling empire. So it's all part of the NES cinematic universe. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then a level editor of course is included in the game but there's no way to save levels so as per usual, hooray another yeah. one of those 
But did anybody play around with that? Yeah, I, I dabbled in it a little bit because I do like the level editors. Uh, this one, though, I mean, I think I need to say like a little bit more about the gameplay as well. But like w with this level editor, I think it's just that this game is is even simpler than Wrecking Crew. That like it's not as fun to me to set up the levels because there's not as much to play with to make a, an interesting puzzle. Like, yeah, it's like it's almost like, and it's not as much fun as this. But you know, we were talking about Pac Man earlier. Sean mentioned that, and and I think that like if you were given a level creator for Pac Man, yeah, it's not do? yeah, it's not like yeah. oh my god, sky's the limit. I'm, I want to create <laughs> right, right. so many levels, right? It's like you could create a few, and uh, you know, Pac Man Championship Edition has some great like new levels that people yeah. haven't played before gimmicky levels yeah or... gimmicky things but it's like it's not it, at the end of yeah. the day all you're trying to do is just avoid other enemies and pick up gold right. in Wrecking Crew you had a more like defined objective that made puzzling like cool right. in yeah. this one there's not many like yeah. puzzles to solve it's not really a puzzle game it's just a maze Right. Yeah. And, well, I wow. mean, maze I, I is think, a puzzle. I, that's true. <laughs> I think what, what I didn't. Well, okay. But you know what? I'm, I'm not going to rescind it. But I understand what you're getting at. Are mazes puzzles? <laughs> mazes sort of. mazes are puzzles in the sense that you have to find your way out of them. But I'm saying that there's no like. It's just A to B. It's not like A to B to C. When you know? I see like uh, right, I like in off. an airport, I feel like they say mazes and puzzles, like on the little on the little paperback books that you can write in. Mm. I, I feel like it's it's all they, they list both as if they're separate entities. Write in if you think a maze is a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to forget that Joe had thoughts on actual gameplay, <laughs> so I'd like to get back here, to those actual thoughts. Um, so, because I actually while I was playing this. Like I said, my initial impression was like, I was like, ah, oh, like, great, another one of these. But I sort of, like, reluctantly had fun. Like, <laughs> like I was kind of like, <laughs> I wanted to be, like, bitter about it. I'm like, no, this is stupid. But but I had some fun, and I think that came from, like, some of the, um, some of the design of the way the levels work, I think, have to do with the fact that you can't dig straight below you. So, like, sometimes there would be, like, several layers of, of ground. And if you don't, like, plan ahead when you're at the top, how many like how many tiles back you want to go? You're gonna end up trapping yourself where the only yeah. place to go is down, and then you can't go down. So like if you're if you don't have anything right next to you, ground right next to you, you can't dig into a wall. Mm -hmm. Um, you're you're trapped. Like you have to start the level over. And I think that was like a little bit of a what pre presented a little bit of the challenge. The problem was was that that was like one of the only things that made it like puzzly for me. Mm -hmm. It was like just just deciding where to dig those holes. Very and one that dimensional. Didn't really keep yeah. my attention for and, too and long. And I think that that leads to a note that I had kind of going through. I didn't go through all fifty levels, but as the game progressed. Sure, like, levels did get harder in the sense of, like, enemies were killing me faster, but it wasn't becoming more challenging from, like, a, oh, how do I get the gold and how do I climb the ladder? Like, you know, there was no, like, new obstacles. A, a refresh would have been good if even, like, every uh, ten levels something new got introduced, you know? Because yeah. that would at least, you'd only need to come up with five new things. And then you'd, you know, like, you'd be good to have some fresh gameplay every now and again while maybe, like, reinventing the hook. Mm -hmm. With this, it's like, I don't know, after the first ten levels, I'm sure that there were other levels that were harder or maybe, like, posed some kind of challenge. But you already challenge. have all the concepts. Yeah, right. but all the concepts right. are down, and, and so it yeah. just didn't make for very interesting right. gameplay. And, and even, even, like, beyond just the difficulty based on, like, adding new concepts, just the difficulty based on... The design of the puzzles. I after a while, I just skipped because you. It's one of those games where you don't have to play through every level. You can just skip to whatever level mm -hmm. you want. Yeah, and I just skipped to level fifty to see what it was all about. And it wasn't 
like much harder than some of the other levels. And in fact, I think I'd probably already played levels that were harder than that one. I don't well, remember exactly. Remember, we had that with Wrecking but, Crew too. Yeah, which was another it, yeah. game where you could select levels, and we kind of were like, "Oh, yeah. the it, last level is yeah. not that hard." It well, didn't I seem like, like they were trying to do like a gradually getting more difficult. Which I makes feel like it, when you have such a limited palette, though, there's there are only only so many permutations of those items or all, all those uh, instances of obstacle or like you know, the ground or ladders again. Sure, that's true. But I'm saying I'm saying even without, like, adding new things or anything like that, if, if you just take all those levels and say, like, what, there must be an order to which that they're, like, generally, to most people, like, the, the easiest and the hardest. Yeah. And you, like, I don't know, it feels weird to not put them in that order. Like, it's not as rewarding oh, okay. to yeah. kind of, like, I guess I guess my point was just that it's, uh, I don't think that you can make something all that much different when you only have... You know what I mean? Like when there's only totally. so many. Wrecking right? Crew yeah. had so many different like enemies and types of things, and like you know the structure of the stages could be designed differently based on like where you placed the bombs yeah, like and the order walls. Of operations. There was just right. enough that, variables in yeah. this yeah. one. To Sean's point, there's just not enough variables right. in mm-hmm. the game to make, and especially to make fifty levels of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe I feel you like made a little too many levels. You could probably just get real gimmicky every now and then as like level variations, like one with almost no floor and it's all ladders. All ladders, and, yeah. Uh, all ladders or all ladders and clotheslines, whatever that rope mm-hmm. thing is, you know. But yeah, I agree. There's really not a lot you can do with it. And I, I do want to give, uh, since Joe talked about like being able to select the levels, I want to give that a shout out as a feature. I kind of like that, so this way you don't have to like. Let's say someone actually does like this game, and like the level twenty one to twenty nine is just really good. You don't want to have to play through all the fat again to get to that. So I do like that. Like the games include this as an option. I'm not saying like. Ghost and Goblin should have a stage select right at the beginning, right? It's not, like, the same comparison. I guess I'm talking more for, like, Solomon's Key didn't have that. And remember how much we hated that, yeah, that, like, you I had really to go back to the beginning when you died, uh, when you actually had an official game over? I would have liked to have just been able to see all the different variations of the puzzles. Because it's kind of like Sudoku, right? Like, if you do, like, yeah. a Sudoku puzzle... You don't ever want to solve that same puzzle again. Yeah. You solved it. Now you want a different thing. Well, so. I this is a nitpick, and I'm not really holding it against the game, but for some reason, psychologically, like, if it's a game like Hitman, and as soon as I buy the game, like, I can play any mission that I want, like, that makes sense to me. But if, I, if I'm if i playing an 80s NES game, for some reason, I just feel like I'm in debug mode if they give me all the all the levels at once. Okay. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the, the progression of, you know, level one, two, three, four... This makes more sense in that sense. I understand it's less rewarding when you have everything. Yeah, exactly. I understand that. It's kind of like playing with cheat codes on. Yeah. You know? And it's because, like, such a large precedent had already been set to say, don't do that. Yeah. Do the, do, like, the, and, you know, there's no narrative, but it's almost (laughs) like if you could select in Super Mario Brothers to go right to World 8, which you kind of technically can, but, like, let's say even right from the main menu... You would do it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be like, "Oh, today I'm just going to start on World it's a Three. Speed run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I realized I was going to say something about the AI earlier, and that was just that it's like really basic, but it is you can manipulate it, which I think makes good AI. So, I mean, what else is the AI supposed to do in this except for follow you? So you can kind of lead it down one way and then like juke them and go the other mm-hmm. way. So, like I did the first level without digging holes, um, just because. I didn't realize you could do that the first time I yeah. played. Um, but I did lots of like tricking the AI, which I it did make me feel at least a little bit clever. So I think that was it know, clever or cheesy? 
you know, a little bit of both. But uh, <laughs> well, I like the the juke to your point. Like yeah, I do you can like manipulate them. Doing which I think like, is yeah, good. doing like sidesteps that make it seem like I'm about to mm-hmm. jump off the 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 yeah, ledge. And then or all the I'm, AI like starts jumping. They're like, guys, oh, he's gonna jump, and they all line up down there. I'm right. like, you idiots! I'm getting the gold over there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice touch because you couldn't necessarily do something like that in Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is like relative to this game since it came out in '83 and Donkey Kong came out in '81. So there is like some relative programming there that I would give Douglas Smith some credit for. Just Doug. Yeah, I called him Douglas this time. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Douglas Smith. Uh, Joe, did you think of it? Yeah, it was just a random, uh, random tack on to what you guys were saying, which about the, uh, I, I think the ideal world of these list level, which obviously is limited on the NES, but like I think it would be that you're, as you beat a level, you've unlocked it to play again. But now we're talking oh, about, yeah. Like, yeah, we're talking about like battery saves and whatnot. But, yeah. But yeah. Like an open world version. Yes, open world load runner. And I will mention, just since uh, we were talking about the stage editor and I missed this, uh, the manual actually does have a cool little, like, guide for how to create a playable level. Uh, not that it actually, like, teaches game theory or design, <laughs> but just, like, simple questions that kids might not think about. So I thought that that was, like, a nice touch to have that in the manual, uh, just to share the... Is it uh, possible to complete? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, are all the gold placed where they can be gotten? Is there an escape ladder reaching to the top of the screen? Is there a way to get to the escape ladder? You know, things yeah. like that. So that's cool. I, I think, like, it, you know, we don't need something like that, but kids definitely would need something like that when they try to make these and then not understand why they're not working out. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're, you know, really dumb kids, I guess. Like, And okay. we can't help them. Yeah, we can't help them. But uh, I just wanted to say that Joe earlier had brought up the arcade game thing, and he wasn't wrong because Irem uh, developed an arcade version of Load Runner, and uh, it added features like the ability to hang off the ends of ladders and an actual improved enemy AI. But I tried to look up like what was improved about it. Just improved. Just improved. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those like patch notes that doesn't give you any yeah. <laughs> uh, any actual significant details. So I was like, all right, whatever. Improved balance. Yeah, right? Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Doug Smith since... Uh, Dougie! Sean was a little upset I didn't talk about him right at the very top. I thought that's what we do here. So I'll give you uh, some quotes from him because we love hearing <laughs> developer quotes. This is a new quotes. segment on the show, the Doug Smith quotes every yeah. episode. <laughs> every episode, Doug will give his feedback <laughs> on games. So uh, this was an interview with IGN for like a history of Load Runner thing. And um, I think this actually came out around the time that Load Runner was getting an N64 game. <laughs> so bear with me Wait, for a minute. did he develop the N64 game? I think he played some kind of role in it. Wow. Uh, so cool. he wanted, uh, the interviewer asks, can you talk a little bit about how the original Load Runner concept and game came about? Doug answers, the original Load Runner game came about in the summer of 1982. At that point in time, I was a student at the University of Washington studying architecture, and my minor was in numerical analysis. As a starving student, I took a part-time job at the campus. That job was a consultant at the Academic Computer Center. Basically, my job was to help the students log on, print their jobs, etc., etc. But for the summer quarter, there are basically no students, so I'm sitting at a desk with nothing to do, and I had access to all the computers. So to occupy the time where I was just paid to sit there and do nothing, another friend and I started to write a game. 
We'll pause there for a second. Does anybody see like a dilemma here? That like I, I think the university the, the owns game is his owned game? by the you know, <laughs> university. That's uh that's a problem. Yeah, he and thankfully I mean, he didn't admit it until nineteen ninety nine. And also well, to be fair, copyrights at the time were probably different. You know, like yeah. who like it probably like there probably wasn't a precedent for someone making a game at a university uh and having it be like a debate for whose intellectual property it is. Yeah, I have no idea how IP law was yeah. in the eighties, so it's so, uh, fun. Yeah, and you know, we <laughs> mentioned that Broderbund um you know, published the game and stuff like that. So he submitted a rough version of the game to Broderbund in uh, October of 82. So it actually really only did take him that summer to make the game. Mm -hmm. And he received a one-line rejection letter in response, and, and it was something along the lines of, this is Doug remembering it, thank you for submitting your game concept. Unfortunately, it does not fit within our product line. And Doug never said no, because around Christmas of 1982, he submitted the game, now renamed to Load Runner. I don't know what he originally had it renamed as. And he submitted it to four publishers and quickly received offers from all four, Sierra, Cirrus, Synergistic, and Broderbund. And he took the deal with Broderbund. Wow. So it turned out all he needed was just to change the name. <laughs> all you have to do is just change the name and uh, got Sierra you have a winning product. Wow. Yep. Good uh, job, Doug. Any thoughts? I thought Doug actually gave like a legitimate uh, answer to no, an that interview. Was, that was very good compared to what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, the Japanese talking good. like, you know, cryptic circle. <laughs> like, like I feel like Sakamoto says things, uh, and then like people at Nintendo get it. They're like, "Oh, yes, yes, I understand that uh, that reference he's making." And we're all sitting here like, he's just talking about like the smallest little detail in a game that was, means nothing. You like, missed the bus that day. Right, right. <laughs> um, I have a question, but it's not about the interview. It's about the context of the interview. Sure. Load runner for N64? Yeah. <laughs> what, what yeah, we're going to get to that, but it is with 3D polygons. But like a like a 2.5D kind of deal, or is it um, like a 3D? Yeah, let me, um, hold on, I could pull it up for just for you guys, um, but you're going to have to give me... All right, well, that was totally different than what I thought it would look like. Yeah, but you were right about the 2.5D, uh, yeah, but which it was, is cool. It was still, like, in a 3D world, which was cool. I thought it would be, like, Super Smash Bros. looking. Yeah, know? I have a very controversial opinion with uh, that first generation of 3D games for <laughs> N64 and PS1, where I hate them all. And oh, I, I didn't think anymore. that was controversial. I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like how crappy they all look, you know, in just, like, a look where we've come from kind right, of right. deal. Okay. Yeah, I just find most of them to be, like, it's actually amazing. I've, I've kind of fallen in love with, like, PS1 2D games mm -hmm. uh, just because, like, the sprite work is, like, so good. And yeah. it's, like, it's like wow, it's a, it's a step above Super Nintendo graphics without, like, forgetting all of the good things about Super Nintendo games. So it's, like, every now and again we need to be reminded that stuff like that exists. Uh, talking specifically probably about, like, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is just such a... Such a cool game. Still holds up, absolutely. That would be on my essential games list. I'm just going to say it. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, no, I still find I still find the old PS1 N64 graphics charming in the very least. And, I I, and there definitely are games that did it correctly. Yeah, it yeah, really the, depends on the game. I think like the, Metal Gear Solid was... A, yeah, the closer that they try to look real... Yeah. The worse it is. You guys <laughs> ever like, played... No, these don't look real yet. Yeah. You guys <laughs> ever it's played... like, just like a charming like cartoon... 
that I think, like Crash Bandicoot, I think looks great. This yeah. is a tangent, but if you haven't played Paperboy 64, I have played just Paperboy look at, look at that hot, hot garbage. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it is trash. That wow. game is not good. And so that N64 game was called Load Runner 3D. Um, in my opinion, it looks archaic, but, uh, you know, I guess at the time it was received. It like, was 3D. That one. It, well, I mean, yeah, 2.5D was not going to catch on. They weren't, yeah. if they called it Load Runner 2.5D, people wouldn't get it. Would that like one looked better than I've seen N64 games look, so I'll okay. give it that. There were other Load Runner games, though, guys. Let's not forget Championship Load Runner, of course. which uh, came out in 1984, a direct sequel with 50 levels edited by fans. And intended for expert play. So fans were so big about it that they made their own levels. And then this was like the the best of the mm. original Load Runner. Mm-hmm. Then you have Load Runner Roman Numeral 2. Uh, Does pronounce it that way? Are you sure it's not yeah. just 11? It, it could be. <laughs> I think it's I.I. It's Runner I.I. I-I. <laughs> um, and this was actually on the uh, MSX. Uh, it was only released on the MSX and um, came out in 1985. Uh, 22 original levels and 28 new levels. So that's cool. Uh, and sorry, the 22 original levels doesn't mean 22 yeah, the, the, new. The, the first ones. <laughs> 22 of the first ones, yes. Uh, it's funny that, like, for us, right, like, I don't, I could care less about the, the levels, right? Like, I'm not oh, like, I oh, I hope they, oh, they bring back stage six. <laughs> but apparently fans did. Um, then there's Load Runner's Rescue on the Atari and Commodore 64, which came out in 1985, a 3D sequel, and again, like... People really like this game, huh? 3D, not in this, you know, it's 3D perspective levels. So we're talking about, like, on the Commodore 64, which couldn't clearly do 3D. That was the name of it, like, just in Europe, though, right? Because I think in America it was Load Runner Other M. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, that's considering very we funny. had the yeah, considering we had the that's Metroid episode. Funny. That's why I'm <laughs> laughing so much. <laughs> um, but this one uh, also came with a screen design editor and um, dozens of 3D perspective levels. So good on them for trying something new with the formula for the first time. And then Hyper Load Runner in 1989, which is just the Game Boy version of the game. So I don't know what's hyper about it. Hot. <laughs> and then Battle Load Runner, which is not a Battle Royale Load Runner oh. game. It's, um, it's a 1993 PC Engine game and revolves around traveling through 50 different stages in 11 different time periods, collecting gold without being caught by enemies. The characters can climb ropes and ladders, so ladders make their return. Uh, thankfully, I was worried ladders weren't going to be confirmed. And uh, you could walk on top of enemies, what? collect power-ups, and, of course, dig a hole to the right or left of yourself. <laughs> they got right and left in there? Right and I'm left. just imagining these things written on the back of the box. Like, <laughs> you you walk on top of enemies in this game, too, don't you? I don't and, know. I don't know if you... I never tried it. <laughs> if, they fall, if they fall in the hole, do they? Don't they die though? Sean is no, they fall in the hole. They don't die. The hole regenerates. Oh right, right. So you use them. So you can leave. Okay, it's like to get them out of your way. They fall down and then right, but then you can walk over. Okay, cool. I cannot believe that we've been talking about this game for this long. <laughs> well, if you wanted more information about Load Runner, you could always check the Load Runner Museum at loadrunner.home.insightbb.com. I thought it was somewhere in New York. <laughs> well, the Load Runner funny. Museum in Paris. Yeah, it's funny because we had like the Elevator Museum <laughs> when we were talking about elevator action. True. So Load Runner having a real life museum wasn't out of the realm of the possibilities. 
But before we get to the essential games list, I do need to talk about the reception from uh, media outlets at the time of Load Runner's release, because as I mentioned, this was a very well-received game, and obviously, like, fans loved it. So it wouldn't be fair if we just kind of poo-poo all over it without talking about how it was received at the time. It's totally fair. So I'll just give you a couple of... Um, I'll give you the name of the magazine or, pu- or publisher or whatever, and then what they said. So... Wait, this is, to be clear, this is the Apple II version? This is for... Yeah, mostly for the Apple II version. I think there's some for the Commodore 64 version. Okay, but this is, like, how, it, how it's NES meant to be played. Yes, right, exactly. Okay. okay. Softline, in 1983, praised Loadrunner, calling it smooth, thoughtful, and quite addictive. Great. Computer Gaming World praised Loadrunner's unusually easy-to-use level editor and the strategy necessary for an arcade title, describing it as one of the few thinking men's arcade games. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this, was a, this was a lot earlier than when the NES game came out, correct? Yes, then, uh, 83. Yeah. Um, Ahoy, in 1984, called the game a top-notch action game that requires both a quick mind and an agile joystick. Zazap, 64, called the Commodore 64 version not one of the most recent games, but certainly one of the best. A classic for a long time to come. Graphically minuscule and, uh, and orally crude, the game's sheer addiction kept my eyes popped open until the owls went to bed. Until the owls went to bed. That is beautifully written. No, that is too purple for a review. Yeah, this guy was in the middle of writing Moby Dick 2. (laughs) (laughs) He was writing the sequel and at the same time had to review Commodore 64. I actually just don't even think it's that well crafted of a sentence. Like, while not the most recent game is not like something you should hold against it. Like I don't, I don't understand it's this guy. It's not new. It, it came out a while ago. <laughs> but but <laughs> <laughs> and it, the graphics stink and it's kind of crude. But I like praising it. Night birds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> night, you refer to owls as night birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, and. Um, Last but not least, in 1984, Load, Load Runner was awarded. <laughs> Jason Trier said, um, "In 1984, Load Runner was awarded 1984 Computer Game of the Year at the fifth annual Archie Awards." That's just astounding. So there you have it. I mean, I, I was looking up some of the reviews, and I was kind of surprised to see, like, just even like modern reviews talking very fondly about it. Which, like I said, it, I had fun with it, but I, I just don't see it. I just don't see what the and I guess it had to do with the time and what was available at the time, and maybe it was... I could say that I've had as much fun with that game as I do with like the offline dinosaur in like in like a browser. Oh, I like the like, offline dinosaur. dinosaur. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I think I like the offline dinosaur more. If we're being real, <laughs> it's so funny. The offline dinosaur. Well, deep cuts over anyway, here. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I think it's time that we move into the essential games list. So you have Loadrunner, <laughs> all right? A game that was released in 1983, but really in 1987 for us, but also in 1984 <laughs> for the Japanese, and then it also got released on the N64 in 1999, <laughs> and now you're going to vote for its essential games list, you know, whether it's on there or not. And that means, is it still worth playing today? Sean? All right, I, I sort of regret saying uh, that I had more fun with the offline dinosaur because that's not true. I think that uh, Doug deserves more than that, and 
I was just being like a little too facetious. But that being said, I didn't really enjoy this game. I mean, like it, like I played it and I didn't feel like I was like pulling teeth, but it's, it's just, there's not too much going on here. Uh, we talked about this way too much, uh, more than it deserved, but yeah, it's not going on the essential games list for me. Maybe you guys think so. <laughs> Joe? Um, so, I mean, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm drawn to puzzle games somewhat. And like, even, even like something that's like so simple, the, the mechanic is so simple. I'm like, oh, they could do some interesting things with just this one mechanic. That'd be cool. But I feel like they never really got into the stride of like doing anything that was that, that got that complicated or that interesting. So like overall, I, I kind of, it lost me relatively quickly. And it was, it was, it was a fun aside, but I, I probably wouldn't go back to play it. Okay. Sam? Uh, kind of what everyone else has been saying. It's, I just didn't really like it that much. It's like a basic arcade game. It accomplishes what it set out to do, but also like the fact that the whole game doesn't even fit on the screen makes this not even the best version of this game. So there's no way that it's essential for the NES if the NES version of it isn't even the best way to play it. So I'm saying no. All right. Good point. Uh, this whole time I've been playing the offline dinosaur game while you guys were doing your essential games list votes because I had to look it up and I, I have played this before but I had to make sure I knew what Sean was talking about. He's talking about that game on Chrome when you're uh, not connected oh, to the yeah. internet I think and you have the dinosaur jumping yeah. over the cactuses. Oh, I thought that that was like, I'm sorry, I didn't describe it correctly. Yeah, no, 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 I just knew, I, yeah, I mean, like, you made it seem like it was, like, something everybody knew. I was like, wow, deep cut. Like, <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to play that game, I will admit that I, I only played that for about, I'd say, a minute and a half while you three talked. But, yeah, that's a much better game than the yeah. uh, Wow. And it's and there's much there's, less even to There's decide. sounds, too, that you're missing. Oh, I am missing the sounds. Yeah. I did turn them off uh, to be polite to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. If that was better in just two minutes than Load Runner, then I think we have our answer. Of course, Load Runner is not essential. Look, I'm sure that this game was fun when it first came out, right? The difference is, is that, like, when you go around and ask people about Pac-Man, they still have heard about Pac-Man to this day. Like, people have played Pac-Man, you can still have access to it. No one's looking around for, like, an Apple II to get Load Runner on, you know? Like, and that's the problem. They, but why are they still making Load Runner, then? Are they, or I don't were understand. they? Well, the last yeah. thing was, like, the 1999 game. Still, that's, like, a that's a while. Yeah, I mean, but I, we're, we're like, now that's true. officially All right, 20 sorry, years sorry, away I could, from sorry, I 1999. It sounds wrong, but it's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um so yeah with four no's uh that is not gonna make the essential games list but it also means that we're at the end of our show oh good <laughs> so uh without um without anything else to say that's been nostalgia i hope you've enjoyed it today was a pretty good episode for us i, I had a lot of laughs i learned that uh owls are just night birds <laughs> night birds <laughs> and um, you guys don't know night birds and we all were gifted the <laughs> offline dinosaur game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Join Sean. us next time for the offline dinosaur game. Actually, yeah. if you go into your phone now, uh, you have it. Like it's it's available now. How do you know what phones they have? It'll be a flip all right, phone. Download Chrome and then do it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they could have flip phones now too because they got those foldable phones. But uh, <laughs> they do have foldable phones now. Yeah, um, it's crazy. With the glass, yeah. But if you have a you know if you have a mobile device. 
You could also type in www.nostalgicast.com because we are optimized for mobile, baby. Yeah, girl. If you go to that website, you'll get a specific look just for the mobile uh, look. We even have an optimized for tab- tablets, too. So if you have an iPad or a um, Shield or a Surface. An NVIDIA Shield? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Does the NVIDIA Shield exist anymore in like know. a handheld form? I, I, I don't know. I heard it's a great emulator. Um <laughs> Or a great use for emulators. Uh, But yeah, go on the website. Check out all the other stuff we have. There'll be links to everything here. I don't put the links in the actual descriptors of the episodes specifically so that you go to the website. Fun fact, the website's free. Uh, We don't charge anything to go on there. For Um, now. Yeah, you won't be sent a bill in the mail 31 days later being contacted that your ISP has hit the the URL. We also don't have pop-ups. We also don't have taxes on fast food. It's true. Um, in on the website, I can't speak about your specific country. I mm-hmm. know that we have a few international listeners, so for all I know, they are taxed on fast food. Canada seems like the kind of place that would do that. I mean, we're all. I mean, whenever I go to a fast food place, there is like tax on the receipt. You, but you consider that like a fast food tax, or you just consider that sales no, tax? Technically, I mean. Okay, look, that's for the post show. Okay, right. sorry. Um. Nostalgicast, and then always, uh, if you also in uh, in the website, if you go to contact, you can contact us, submit a little form submission. I know that's how a lot of people do it. We get the email, and then we get to read all your nice thoughts. I just want to say we've been getting a lot of thoughts lately, so I love that. Keep it coming. And if you don't want to do it that way, you can always uh, contact us on Twitter, uh, at Nostalgicast. We post uh, at least one to two images every single day of relevant games that we're currently covering, and we have the schedule for the upcoming games on the Twitter. It's, a, it's my tw- uh, the pinned post on the NostalgiaCast page. So if you want to know what games are coming up, that you can play along. Get That's pinned. how you do it. All right. Great. I'm uh, Michael Esposito. You can find me on at Esposito Film on Twitter, and I'll talk to you soon.